Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everyone? We have a big show today. Today on the show, Broadway veteran Greg Ruder. Here we go. three times over the past uh, 13 years, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's really, it's fun, it's a great show, and uh, the cast is really great, and uh, it's just, you know, who knew it was going to run so long? Yeah, who's playing uh, Billy Flynn right now? Uh, John O'Hurley, as you may know from, as uh, sure. Peterman from Seinfeld, Elaine yeah. Foss. Yeah, he was also on, exactly, yeah. And uh, he's exactly like that character in real life. <laughs> uh, do you have any uh, John O'Hurley stories where he's like... No, you know, he's, he's only been uh, with the show for a week. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting. You, you like to think, you know, you're in a Broadway show and everyone's buddies and, you know. But a lot of times, you know, you just you kind of show up to the theater and, and it's work and you go home and it... it it kind of takes time to get to know some people that are coming in the company because you, you don't have a whole lot of social time with them. Yeah. Um, so I read that you were the uh, fight captain on, on Spam a lot. Now, as fight captain, do you organize the fights between castmates, and, and how long do you usually let them beat each other up? I, you know, I usually let them go at it. I like to uh, stir shit up. I like to really provoke people and um, cause, you know, just lie a lot, a lot of backstabbing and, you know, you know what she said about you. And uh, I just let them duke it out and usually, you know, Darwinism will prevail and uh, one of the girls uh-huh. will end up crying in the corner with a Yankee candle. We were just talking to Mike Lowry, a soap opera actor who... Um, uh, among other things, but he, uh, we were encouraging a big brawl to break, at, break out uh, this Saturday at his concert between uh, One Life to Live and every other soap on TV. So maybe you can I, get some uh, of your people there. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I, I really encourage that. Uh, I actually know Mike uh, from the social circles. Yeah, we're tight. We're like two balls in a nutsack. And uh, <laughs> he's, he's a great guy. He's very tall and handsome, where I'm very medium and plain. <laughs> but that's my um, drink. So, right, right, right. Uh, so you uh, were also in Shrek as the Pied Piper. Uh, how how pimp is that playing the Pied Piper? You, you must get all the ladies. Oh, it's it, it's unbelievable. They had to develop new security rules at the theater because um, everyone wanted my flute, and <laughs> and I imagine the cat that you know promises promises is playing at that theater now. So. They're actually benefiting from the security rules that they developed for me, uh, playing right. the Pied Piper. Actually, that was one of the most bizarre experiences I had on stage because I initially, when we went out of town, I was not the Pied Piper. 
I was uh, in this big tap dance number, and then they decided to switch things around because they wanted the Pied Piper to do a little bit more tap dancing. And what it really ended up to is me sitting downstage left on the floor and watching my castmates do this number. So I got to sit there for like seven minutes, and uh, I didn't make a lot of friends when that switch was made because everyone was kind of uh, envious that I got to sit there <laughs> and watch them sweat. Uh-huh. So while yeah. you're just um – while we're on the topic of you you sitting there, how how tiring is it doing a, a Broadway show day in day out? You know, eight nights a week. How tiring? It, is it? You know, it's really interesting because it is very tiring. I mean, especially uh, longer running shows do what we call a five show weekend, where we'll do one show Friday, two show Saturdays, two show Sundays. Right now, actually, we're off that schedule for the summer, but we'll go back to it in the fall. And that is just, you know, really exhausting. And mentally, it can be like, you know, Groundhog Day, where you're like, God, what is different about today? You know, I'm in the same costume, doing the same thing. Uh, but the flip side is, you know, we have a lot of free time. Like, I really only work about 21 hours a week, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the the downside, you know, the, the upside is, you know, I have my days free for the most part. And um, even though it seems like I'm, you know, usually running around, doing a lot of things, I, I can kind of plan my free time uh, accordingly, which is kind of nice. Yeah, definitely. You um, uh, recently wrote on your Facebook, the Countess from Real Housewives is at the show tonight, and yes, she's drinking. Did she, did she get a little rowdy? Well, you know, here's the deal. I don't really know much about uh, the Real Housewives. I don't even know what cast she was on. And my girlfriend loves the Real Housewives, and she heard in AM New York that the Countess, this woman, who was a, a real countess on the show, one of the bitches, uh, she might be coming into my show, which didn't surprise me because we get a lot of stunt casting in Chicago, hence it being open for 14 years. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden during Act 1, all the girls in the show were at Twitter because they spotted her in the audience. And usually if a star is going to come in the show, or I use that term loosely with the countess, uh, you know, we can sometimes spot them in the audience, checking it out, seeing if it's something they want to do or they think they can do. And so when I finally was able to spot her in the fifth row, we have, like, in the Schubert Theaters, uh, which is what my theater is owned by, the Schuberts, they have these mm-hmm. new things this summer that basically you can get some booze and take it in a sippy cup and take it to your seat, which is new in Broadway shows because usually you only be able to get a drink before the show or at intermission and you had to finish it, couldn't take it back to your seat. So now people are just boozing it up during the show, which <laughs> I think is fantastic. So I saw her with her boyfriend had a you know a bottle of water, which was sensible, and I saw her just tilting back this big old sippy cup that was probably full of bourbon or some other grain alcohol. Uh, she did look a little sleepy by the end of the show, so I'm sure she was nice and soused. Have you uh, have you ever gone on stage sick, not sober, or asleep? Uh, all of the above. Yes, all of the above. While we're on the topic of stars in your audience, uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce came to see your show. What was it like performing for uh, King Hova? You know, what's interesting is uh, I love Jay-Z. I I've always have. Um, you know, I'm a white kid that grew up in Detroit. I grew up on Five Mile, actually, not Eight Mile. But um, a lot of people don't know that those are mile roads. The movie Eight Mile, the Eminem was in, that's actually just a street in Detroit. And uh, right. I, I've always liked hip-hop and rap music. It's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but I've always liked it. And I grew up listening to Jay-Z, and what was hilarious about it was, of course, obviously we knew they were there. We saw them in the audience right away. But when you hear someone laughing in the audience and you know it's Jay-Z because he has that 
It's just the sound of his voice is so familiar to you. You're like, oh, my God, that was totally Jay-Z laughing. Jay-Z just laughed. And uh, they came backstage at intermission to say hello. And, uh, I mean, what a super nice guy. Um, and Beyonce was gorgeous, and she smelled of, like, sandalwood and faraway spices. And, like, I never smelled a woman. She smelled rich. Right. And, uh, and one of the girls in the cast sort of, like, gave her a hug, and then, like, it lingered a little long, and it was awkward. <laughs> You're like, um, awkward. <laughs> when you met uh, Jay-Z, did, did you call him Young, Young Hova, Jay Hova, Jay-Z, Jigga, Prez Carter, Sire, or Son? I called him uh, Sir. <laughs> I said, hello, <laughs> Sir. And you know, it was funny because he said to me, he, uh, he stopped me and he said, oh, well, you know, my wife and I, we, we like the way you dance. And I, and I swear to God, I was so stunned. I said, I like the, the way you, you make uh, words rhyme. And then I just kind of looked at my shoes. Right. Right, <laughs> embarrassed myself in front of Jay-Z. <laughs> rhyme. <laughs> oh. No, I mean, that's the, that's the right thing to say to him. Um, well, I mean, what do you say? It's Jay-Z. I mean, come on. I don't know. It's like being in the presence of, of royalty. Are you going to be able to go see uh, him and your, your fellow Detroit uh, resident Eminem at Yankee Stadium? You know, I'm not, but I heard on the radio that uh, now the tickets have jumped to, like, a record high uh, on StubHub. I heard that, like, they, they said, go check out StubHub. It's like, it's like Barbara Streisand prices now. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so ne- <laughs> I'm definitely not going to be able to go then. You, because uh, they were already expensive when they went on sale. So, yeah, exactly. You injured your shoulder, and you're just coming back to uh, Chicago recently. Can you tell us a bit about that whole ordeal, how you got hurt in your rehabilitation process? Yeah, I, well, it's, it's a fascinating story, and I hope you have a couple hours. Um, <laughs> I, I heard it in. Uh, I hurt my shoulder doing spam a lot, uh, which I was an original company member. I'm very proud. Uh, in the finale of the show, I had to uh, do a little swing, swing dancey lift with this girl, and uh, I kind of rocked her back and popped her up, and I felt something kind of pop in my shoulder, my right shoulder, and uh, so I ended up going to the doctor, got an MRI, found out that I had torn my rotator cuff, which is, I had no idea, you know, if it was going to heal or what to do, so I tried taking, getting physical therapy for it for about six months, and I passed all my strength tests and went back to the doctor, and he's like, great. And I said, but, you know, I'm, I'm still in pain, a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. So they got a second MRI, and he <laughs> looked at the results, and he was like, uh, actually, it's gotten much worse. No. And surgery is unavoidable. And, you know, knock on wood, it was my first, you know, big injury. I ended up waiting a little while to have surgery because Shrek was opening, and I had to get through that. And I pulled the trigger last July, about a year ago, and um, had full-on rotator cuff surgery. And uh, a year later, it's better than ever. So it's been a, it's been a really tough road. You know, they don't, they don't tell you how tough rehab is uh, from an injury like that, especially to get back. You know, if I was just going back to sit in an office or sit at a computer, that's one thing. But to get back and be able to hold another human being over my head, you know, potentially, you have to get back to a certain level. So... Uh, I'm really glad I had the surgery, and my, my surgeon, Dr. Baum, is bar none the best in the business, you know. So I'm sure, I'm sure your listeners have all left now uh, during that story, but uh, we can just chat about anything. 
Um, yeah, no, I, well, I noticed that you said that you were playing uh, tug-of-war with your 60-pound English bulldog. Is that a good idea with the shoulder? It is not. And, you know, what's funny is uh, we rescued this, this bulldog from the Long Island Bulldog Rescue. Um, check them out. They have a website. And uh, we've always wanted a bulldog. And um, I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to actually, you know, I had my surgery. You know, my girlfriend was going to work, and I was in charge of letting the dog, get, you know, taking the dog on walks. And I only had the usage of one arm. <laughs> and my this dog, I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried to take an English bulldog for a walk. They are one of the strongest breeds because they're compact and they're low to the ground. And it's like trying to drag a bowling ball or, or boat a marlin or something. So, um, yeah, there have been several times where I've gotten a little rowdy during my rehab playing with him and, uh, done, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. There's always the Percocet waiting for you in the bathroom, and you just take a couple of those, and you're fine. There you go. Uh, so you once worked with uh, Mike Nichols. Can you tell us about that experience working with such a an influential uh, uh, guy in, in show business? Well, it was definitely the highlight of my career getting to work with – well, one of the two highlights of my career getting to work with Mike Nichols, and, uh, you know, he's – such a visionary, and you know, you actually can't find anyone who has a bad thing to say about him. All the, all, you know, I just watched his AFI Lifetime tribute, and all like the who's who of Hollywood was basically saying I would give anything to work with him again. Um, he's a really interesting guy. Obviously, he got to start doing comedy with Elaine May, and uh, so he's a very funny guy. But he has a very dry delivery, and uh, I remember uh, I had my final callback uh, for Spamalot was uh, on stage at the Majestic Theater, which is where Family Opera is, and. So I, I sang and, and read for him, and, uh, and at the end he said, okay, Greg, uh, I want you to look medieval. And I just stood there, and he said, oh, I'm just fucking with you. You can go now. And uh, about an hour later, I got a phone call from my agent saying, Mr. Nichols would like you to, to be in the cast, and I was elated. Um, he's, he was a genius to work with. He's definitely like the smartest guy in the room, and his, I have to tell you, like, a lot of times, I'm, you know, you can be disappointed with, you want to work with certain creative people, and then you actually work with them, and a lot of them you're like, wow, huh, I wonder how they got to this position, but definitely not the case of Mike Nichols. You, you know why he is so successful, and why he picks projects the way he does, and he obviously put together a really great cast, and a really funny cast, and, you know, open spam a lot of, you know, cartridge, uh, was in the throngs of invading Iraq, so it was a it was a real gift to be able to make people laugh every night and and just to hear that you know the waves of laughter coming at you from the audience and, and we also tapped into a a great audience of straight guys coming to see a musical you know which was very rare and I don't think it's been done since and to look out and just to see these groups of guys that came to see a show together you know it's like wow I have never seen this usually it's a bunch of old old ladies you know. There's not a dent on the house, but it was a great experience. That's amazing. Um, So when we were uh, prepping for your interview, uh, you have some very funny uh, tweets and status updates. Um, (laughs) Let's see. You said uh, one of the things you tweeted. Is it tweeted or twitted or or twatted? What is it? I want to say I want to say tweeted, although twatted sounds naughty, and I like it. So you twatted when you're done with your Domino's pizza, eat the box because it tastes the same. I love that. 
Yeah, and that's actually, oh, God, I can't remember the name of the group. I think they're called Cracked Out. There's a, a comedy group in LA, and they write uh, short little jingles. And I actually heard that uh, on another podcast and thought it was so funny that I, I twatted it as if it were my own, and it wasn't. Um, I've been fessing up to it, but it's only out of fandom. I, I should have just seen there was no way to retweet it, you know. Like, I'm, I'm sort of new to all the Twitter stuff, and for a while I didn't know what RT meant. Well, I went to my Twitter account, and finally I was like, well, of course, you idiot, it's retweet. <laughs> Retwat, even. So you Retwat. also said on your, on, your, on your Facebook status, Apple's new Maxi Pad is amazing, full-size keyboard. <laughs> what did you mean by this update? Well, I mean, uh, the iPad, you know, everyone was obviously making tampon jokes, and that was my entry into the foray. Uh, you know, maybe someone thought, actually thought it was the uh, I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what I tweet. I just, it, it just strikes me, and I'm, I usually do it when I'm above ground on the subway, if anyone wants to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so before we let you go, I, I'm so glad that we became uh, Facebook friends because I noticed that we share a common passion, obviously a, a few, theater being one of them, but more importantly, uh, tennis. And, um, oh my God! I, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, you know, say it's ten years ago, were you Agassi or Sampras? Uh, ten years ago, I'll admit that I was Sampras. I was, and but I didn't know that Agassi was doing crystal meth then. And if I did, I'd probably be Agassi. Okay, Andre Agassi <laughs> is like my, my all-time hero. I, I met him recently when his book came out. I love that guy. Um, Let's see. You know who I loved? I loved James Blake, and he's just broken my heart. Yeah, I actually read something about that today. I was just really into James Blake, and I was part of the J Block. You know, I was a fan of his. And then, you know, know, he's had a lot of injuries, and his game has just fallen off. But I actually don't think he's really going to resurface. I think this might be his last U.S. Open. Do you go to the U.S. Open every year? I've been – I think I've only been once. To actual matches because we got like yeah. tickets. Yeah. Have to go, right? Yeah, I go every year, and this year, luckily, we got tickets to three sessions because I joined the USDA so I could get tickets before everyone else. So I like spent all this money just so I can get tickets, you know, ahead of right. time. But I, I, I love tennis, and actually going to the US Open, if you haven't been, people out there in the ether, it is the most civilized sporting event you can go to in New York City. There's no assholes. Like, the food is great, and to see these guys, actually, how fast they hit the ball, you don't get a sense of it on TV. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like that, uh, that uh, New York, U.S. Open, Arthur Ashe Stadium and energy. Yeah, we actually saw, I saw that Agassi match that went to, like, 2 in the morning a couple of years ago, and that's when I was just, like, so high on Agassi. I was just, you know, his back was injured, and he just wouldn't take no for an answer. Are you talking about the Baghdadis one? Yes. Yeah. Um, it, it James was Blake is actually definitely uh, James Blake. Uh, actually, the Blake Agassi match, that five setter that ended in the tiebreak, is one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, and uh, that uh, it, he's from Connecticut, and I'm from Connecticut, so a little hometown love. The first tournament he ever won was the Pilot Pen in New Haven, and I like I right. that a bunch of times that week. And uh, I really love James Blake was, you know, repping the hometown pride. And, yeah, it, it's, been, it's been disappointing. And I read something today where even Andy Roddick was, was, like, replying to somebody saying, like, that they're the future of tennis, and he was like, future of tennis, not anymore. 
and I, it seems like, you know, these guys maybe have given up on themselves, so that's disappointing. Yeah, I, actually, I have the tennis channel. <laughs> that's how much of a tennis nerd I am. And I, I was watching the, the tournament that's taking place in Atlanta right now, and uh, one of the U.S. Open series, uh, these warm-up tournaments, and um, it looks like Andy Roddick shaved his head after losing at Wimbledon. And I'm like, I don't know if it's – he looks bald underneath because he always wears a hat. And my girlfriend and I were like, Is he, did he shave his head? And I was like, I wonder if it's, you know, a mental thing, like he just wants a new start, or if it's just so – damn hot out this summer that he shaved his head. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I would, I would think probably new start. Um, yeah. So, uh, also, you said uh, you think the French Open is shaping up to be an amazing tournament. If Rafa Nadal wins, he will take over Roger Federer's number one in the world, something he's been chasing for six years. Watching the potential changing of the guard is exciting. Were, were you, in fact, excited when the guard did change? Oh, yeah. I, he's, he's my favorite player right now. Um, you do, and I love Nadal. Yeah, yeah, and and it's really fascinating. I fell in love with him like three years ago at the U.S. Open. I really didn't know him that well. I knew he was an up and coming guy, but when I watched him take the court, like you know, they come up there, they decide who's going to serve first, and then he literally sprinted back to the baseline and started doing like these huge jumps where he tuck his legs into his chest, and I was like, this guy's an animal. Like he's like a boxer, and then just what you know. Watching him take his lumps, at first I thought he was just all, like, all muscle and just big shots, but his game has just gotten so incredible. And apparently now he's not only number one in the world, but he's by a huge point margin, like 2,500 points he's racked up. So wow. it's exciting. And I, I really – I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him, uh, you know, in September at the U.S. Open for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um Okay. Did you actually did you play high uh, like high school tennis or college tennis? I did. I grew up playing tennis. Uh, I started playing when I was eight. And my parents sent me to tennis camp, and you know I got pretty good. I went to my my high school. We went to states in Michigan in like 1988, and then uh, when I went to college, uh, you know I just had no time for anything except the theater program I was in was so uh, time consuming. I think they all are. This was not unique to the school I went to, but. Basically, you like you have to. You know, you're in class all day, then you have to do shows. So it's like, you know, I I wouldn't get back to the dorm till like 11 at night, and so I just my tennis kind of fell off. And uh, I play now and then. And my, you know, I'm not great, but I, I don't suck at all. I can definitely, you know, play. But I, I just love it. I'm, I I love watching it, and when I get a chance to play it, I love it. Yeah, definitely. I, I played in high school, and and uh, I had some of my favorite memories were were on that team, and. Uh, being captain and whatnot, and uh, we got to the States like a couple times. I mean, we weren't that great a team. We were like uh, an intermediate team in Connecticut, I would say, because we were competing yeah. against like these school kids in Connecticut. But uh, Well, Connecticut, uh, was, that's a state with money, so the tennis is going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But we held our own, and it was it was so much fun. Um, I love tennis. I'm glad you do, too. So the last thing we're going to do, Greg, is I'm going to list you a couple things, and you you can – you're going to tell me if they're hot or a hot mess, okay? You ready? All right. All right. Uh, Bad Boys 2. Hot mess. LeBron James. Hot. Hot. Okay. Ro- Roger Federer. Hot. Uh, ja Rule. Hot mess. Beyonce. Hot. And Little Wayne. 
<laughs> Wait, say that again? Lil Wayne? Oh, Lil Wayne? Hot. And that takes balls the size of my balls to admit. <laughs> and last one, Broadway sessions at therapy. Oh, and a hot mess, for sure. Even though I love Ben, this hot mess, and he would want me to say that, so... Uh, we we performed there the other night because we're promoting this show Hot Mess in Manhattan tomorrow, and uh, it 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 was definitely definitely a hot mess. I think that's the whole goal. He's trying to create a hot mess. I mean, it was a good a hot mess in a good way. You know, we oh, it was the like best way. Hot mess. Yeah, it, it owns the fact that it's a hot mess. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> right, right. Thank you so much for calling in, and did you just want to? Plug Chicago before we go to tell us the theater and uh, yeah we're at the Ambassador on 49th Street you can't miss it it's right next to Colony Records and uh, check it out if you get a chance it's a great way to beat the heat all right thank you so much Greg appreciate all right it. Ryan take care. <laughs>